catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. First of all, it's, it's when, the, when the lights come on, the priests come out at night. So, you know, when they come on, it's time to shine. You're listening to the From the Pink Seats podcast, powered by the State of Louisville Network. It is officially off-season in Louisville for the Louisville football program. Not really. It's been the off-season for a few weeks now. But here on From the Pink Seats podcast, we are officially kicking off our eight-part series the 2021 season and review of the Louisville football program. I am the host of this podcast, Jacob Lane, joined as always by my co-hosts and very good friends, Matt McGavick and Vince Lococo. Uh, but we've got a great show. We've been teasing on Twitter the last couple of days on all over social media. Uh, eight episodes. That's a lot of episodes to recap a losing season, but that's what we do here. We're going we're gonna to go balls to the wall of the, just every stat, every storyline. We're going to look at this thing up and down all over the place. If you are familiar with the show, hopefully you've been listening since last offseason when Matt and I did this. But the whole point is really to tell the story of the season that cannot be told by a record. So we get that started off tonight with uh, Tiberius Peterson and Derek Dorsey, two super seniors who have just wrapped up their collegiate career at Louisville. Guys, what what is before we you know dive into the offseason and and really start looking back at this? I just what's the one defining moment of this season in your head? Like what is it that stands out above all things? For me, it's just the matter of losing games so closely. Matt, how much did we talk about turnovers last offseason, man? It's too damn much. And and I hate to eat to steal what you just said but I think just the inability to finish in the fourth quarter through that meat of the season because I mean I hate to use the cliche that Sat was using but I mean Louisville was that close to maybe putting up a nine win season yeah that's right and what do you think Vince man I mean you, you know this program better than anybody I, I agree with Matt that it was just coach speak a couple plays here and there but uh, for me, that real one defining moment were the, was those last four plays against Clemson. For whatever reason, that sticks out as just kind of like a changing point for me. And, you know, if we get those, uh, you know, any of those last four plays to go in, we're talking about, oh, well, at least we beat Clemson this year. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely disappointing when you look at it. But again, much like last year, I definitely think there's cautious optimism here. We're going to explore all angles of that, like I've been saying. Um, and no better way to do that than with a, a, a few guys who have been on the roster, not just for the last like two years, three years. How about six years? These guys are the same age as Vince, who has now got gray in his beard. He's working a full time job. He's I mean, he this is a, th these are grown men. I'm going to ask them if they've got their doctorates yet. I mean, they've been in college for so long. <laughs> uh, so we're, we're going to dive into all of that with them. So I um, hope you guys will tune in and enjoy the series as we get going here. All right, let's get it going here. We're going to start talking about the 2021 Louisville football season in review. Jacob Lane, Matt McGavick, Vincent Lococo from the Pink Seats podcast. We've got two guys joining us tonight who know the program better than anybody here. Uh, two guys who is experienced in college. If you combine them, the six years together, you have a, a kid in puberty right now. That's how long these guys have played college football. <laughs> two guys who joined the program back in 2016. That's Tiberius Peterson, Derek Dorsey, two defensive alignment. Gentlemen, welcome into From the Pink Seats. How are we doing tonight? Doing good. Oh, How are you? Having a great day. 
Yeah, doing well here. We're, we're excited to talk about a little football with you guys, but let, let me first just kind of open up the show here and the, the pleasantries, try to keep it cordial. Tiberius, I'll start with you, man. How's, how's life been since the season ended? What are you up to these days? Well, life's been great. Uh, you know, I went back home for the break after the game and, you know, enjoyed family time and stuff like that. And now I'm back in Louisville training and working right now. So get my life together. Yeah, what about you, Derek, man? How's how's life post-football? Uh, I would say very similar to TP, man. It's been good. Um, just like TP, I'm also back in Louisville. Me and him are doing pro day workouts together. And, uh, yeah, but after the season, I took a little time to go visit my family uh, down in Florida. Uh, they live down there in Fort Myers, uh, Cape Coral area. So I got, I got to go spend some time with them and – uh, now I'm actually finishing out uh, the last semester of my uh, MBA, so that's something to look forward to. I'm excited for that. Yeah, this I mean, you guys, you guys are close to your doctorate degrees, right? I mean, we're going to be PhD <laughs> students here closely. Is that right? Pretty, pretty <laughs> soon, <laughs> Dr. Peterson, Dr. Dorsey, I like the same. Uh, <laughs> nice Dr. Tuck. See, that's that manual education right there, ain't that right? <laughs> Matt, <laughs> Matt just couldn't wait to throw that could in. Not, there, I could wait. not wait. No, I, I had to I had to plug. You know I had to. All right. So Derek, let's let's start with you first. What was it like to get your uh, your ass kicked for four years straight <laughs> in high school football against Trinity? First question. Man, that was no, no, all jokes aside. So, so, so what for both of you? All, what made y'all come back for uh, for your sixth season? Switch it up real quick. Right. <laughs> well, uh, for me, I just feel like I could have done more. You know, I had more to grow, and um, you know, being a fifth year on the team, I feel like this last year I could really uh, become a better leader and a better man and that nature and um you know basically have one more one more year to you know get my best shot and do what i can to help the team and get us to another bowl game for you Derek, what do you think man so uh for me you know uh, obviously i'm still in school uh i had another year of uh of graduate school left so that was definitely one of the uh one a big reason but um I'm going to piggyback kind of off of what TP said, man, just feeling like I still got more to give. And, you know, if I'm presented with that opportunity to keep playing, man, because football is, you know, what I love. So, uh, you know, just having that opportunity to come back and take another shot at it, it was just, you know, something I, I wanted to do. And I thought, you know, uh, picking back again off of what TP said, just becoming a better leader for those guys in the locker room, just kind of, you know, with the experience that we both have and what we've seen throughout college football, just being able to, uh, you know, try to leave a place better than the way we found it, you know, try to share our experiences with those guys. So I definitely say with what we walked into, well, I wouldn't say our freshman, sophomore year, but our junior year, you guys definitely left it better than what you found it. So, so kudos <laughs> to you all on that yeah, one. Very much so. Man, yeah. young, young guys these days don't, don't realize what we had to go through, like, especially <laughs> fall camp, man. Two yeah. days, they had no clue. Yeah, no that. idea. Right, I can't so. believe we did that, honestly, looking back. <laughs> and, and now look where you are, doing great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Obviously, Let's talk a little bit about the actual season. Obviously, it has some ups and downs, finished six and seven, but 
all of that aside, what was the most challenging part of the season? It could be anything. Personally, um, the most challenging thing for me in the season, I, I really felt like is that we were a better team than what was put on paper. Um, I mean, we were just this close from, you know, having the record we have to being 10 and two. I mean, the, the margins on a lot of these losses we took, which, you know, were very well decided by only a few plays. And it, it just kind of, it just kind of hurts to, um, to know that and see, you know, what could have been. So that, that's, that's kind of been the most challenging part, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. The most challenging part, you know, during the season was just, you know, us trying to play together and get the win. You know, some games we did and some games we, we felt we came short. And, uh, you know, being a six year, you know, you want those wins to better the program and, you know, go out with a bang. Did y'all find some sort? I mean, obviously, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Didn't expect probably the outcome like in the bowl game, but for for you all as six year guys, like I mean, that had to be sweet to whatever it is postseason in your six year to be able to go and have that that experience. Um, we're we're going to talk about that a little bit more, but that, just tell me what that was like for you guys. Just get, you know, getting the opportunity one last time to play postseason football. It was it was it was amazing. You know, the, the last two years we didn't make a bowl game, so I was itching to get back into the bowl game as much as possible. And, uh, you know, when we finally got the sixth win, you know, I was happy more than anything. Like, you know, all the goals we had, we came short. But, you know, one of them was to, to go to a bowl game, and we accomplished that one. So I was happy about that. Yeah, I, I agree. Because um, bowl, bowl games are always a good time. I mean, they, they, they already treat us like royalty, but especially at bowl week, man, we're great hotels. Awesome meals, just the constant team activities, man. It's it's a good time, um, and it's also you know it's also a blessing because you know not every senior gets that opportunity. You know sometimes game twelve, that's it, and you know because it's it's not promised. So um, just to be able to have one more opportunity, you know, just something to be thankful for. Now let's let's go backwards a little bit here. We're talking about the bowl game, but let's go back um, to the end of 2020 before the 2021 season. Um, obviously, the year before with COVID and everything going on, the offseason was was not really an offseason. Right. And, and that's a big part of the results on the field in 2020. Um, just to kind of set this up holistically. How much of an impact for you guys and for the entire team? I mean, you could speak for your entire roster here for the coaching staff. How important was it for you all to have that offseason in 2021 to be able to be in the building, to do team workouts, to be able to do all the things that you guys have done for years without a pandemic? Um, how great was that and how much impact did it have on the actual season for you guys when you all, you know, obviously stepped onto the field week one? Uh, honestly, it was great. I mean, uh, like you said, COVID year. We couldn't really work out together during that summer and do the things that we usually do. And, you know, during that time of the 21, the 2021 season, um, it was just great getting back with the, in the facility with the guys and the fellas and working out. And, you know, I miss the guys sometimes, you know what I'm saying? Like the brother chemistry that we had and built the, the years beforehand and, you know, with COVID affecting that, it was kind of hard, you know? Yeah. And, um, the off season is always a huge part of, uh, 
you know, it's the building blocks for building that cohesiveness and that chemistry within a team. So, you know, COVID year, you're missing three months of training with the guys. And I mean, you're doing all this training on your own. And, you know, it, that's also complicated in itself because not everyone had access to, um, you know, a lot of means to mm-hmm. get the work done that you needed to do. It's because, you know, you're so used to working in state of the art weight room facilities and you know um with all that equipment and so you're just kind of limited on what you're able to do at least personally that's how I've experienced it and I know other guys had that same experience so I think you definitely miss out on a lot of opportunities to uh uh, I want to say develop I guess um I'd say from like a what the strength staff was wanting us to accomplish for that offseason but, uh, you know, being able to get back in there, like what TP said with the guys, being able to – because, I mean, nothing builds uh, better, you know, cohesiveness and chemistry than grinding out those those Coach Mike workouts together <laughs> and in conditioning programs. <laughs> Don't get me wrong now. Uh, the, the COVID season during the summer, some of us, like most of the team, would, you know, work out on the rooftop or the clubhouse. And after, you know, first couple of weeks, it was a few guys and then the week go by and then more guys would come out there and more and more. And, we, you know, we kind of worked out together and um, Derek will tell you, you know, the chemistry was tight back then, too, as well, even though, we, you know, we couldn't work or go into the facility at all. So we did didn't, what we could. Didn't one of y'all pull a truck or push a truck? Who was that? I vaguely remember somebody on social media like, pushing a truck. I, feel like uh, a lot I think of it was my there. car. But it was a few people doing it though, like I Kyle, think I CJ, Avery. Shoot, I had to do that. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of people Actually, doing it. That was, that was my version of the the sleds. <laughs> Actually, the real the, the real question, y'all are talking about those Coach Mike workouts? Who can bench more? Okay, All right. I like that. that's a good one. Between yeah. me and TP, yeah, yeah, yeah. We know Vince isn't in the equation. Yeah. <laughs> I, got both, I still got both these guys beat. They're training for yeah. training for the NFL yeah. draft. Come on yeah. now, Vince. Chill. <laughs> you got these guys beating, eating, eating wings and fries, man. Stop it. Get out of here. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know. That'll be a good little challenge between me and Dorsey. Hey, okay, we can well, always we'll find make, out. We'll make it happen. Yeah, out. from the Pink Seats weightlifting challenge. Well, well that's where we're going next, I guess. Yeah, we, we can make that happen. <laughs> Anyways, getting back on track, going, going back to this season, you guys mentioned it. Basically, almost every game was close. That UCF game had you have a game-winning pick six. FSU was a blowout for most of it, and they they made things interesting. Keetro Clark had that pick to kind of seal things up. And then they had that stretch in the middle of the season, Wake Forest, Virginia, NC State, Clemson were just – it seems like you guys were there, but kind of struggled a little bit to put the nail final nail in the coffin. What – in y'all's opinion, what was the block in necessarily being able to close out some of those games from from a player's perspective? Mm. Well – what I noticed, I mean, certain games, you know, one side will get there all, then the other side won't. Or, you know, we had trouble playing together as a team. Like one game, offense would do great, and then defense wouldn't show up. And then one game, defense would do great, and then offense wouldn't back us up. You know what I'm saying? It was yeah. kind of tic-tac for that, how I see it. I mean, that's what I think. After a while, did the did the mental thing start to creep in? Like you get to the fourth quarter, like things are rolling well, and you you know you get 
the fourth start, and you're like, oh man, here it comes again. Did did anything like that start to creep in for you guys? For me personally, um, and I don't know if this is the same for TP, but because our our position coach, uh, he's a very passionate guy, and he, he'll never <laughs> let you let any type. You, you of, don't uh, say. Yeah. <laughs> man, did he man. ever try to convince you to bang a helmet on your head, like as a way to get pumped up, make him make you? You got to bleed before the games. Like, did he ever try uh, to pitch that to you? I think I think he would if he could, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but you know, part of what he's done is is just instill that like this: you're uh, you're never out of the fight mentality. And so, you know, regardless of how the scoreboard looks or what's going on, he's always preaching like, you know, I've seen it before. You know, we can we can make this happen. And you know, that's just something that us as a D line, I felt like tried to kind of hold on to that value and just, uh, you know we're never out of the game. It's not over till it's over, you know? Right. He would encourage us to, you know, lift our other teammates up and make them believe that we can win the game. And throughout the whole year, I mean, I had that. I kept faith no matter what game it was. I mean, we might've been down 21. I'm still like, yeah, we can find a way to come back. We can win this game. We could definitely do it. We could do it. We could do it. I just had that in my mind. And TP, I, I want to ask one more thing, like kind of based off what you just said. You said how one side would not give their all, and then the next game, the other side would kind of do the same thing. How hard was it to try and get people to stay locked in? Or maybe a better question, how hard was it to try and convince them, like, hey, now batting down the hatches now, we, we got a fourth quarter, we got a game to finish? Like, how hard was right. it to try and keep people like focused? Uh, I want to say it was hard, but you know. I just gave my all as much as I could, you know. Like Avi would say, you know, I would encourage my teammates as much as possible, even freshmen who, you know, don't play or, you know, anything like that, you know, they could uh, encourage us to, you know, win the game and, and that nature and stuff like that. So, uh, I mean, mm-hmm. From a, from a head coaching perspective, you know, obviously you guys are with your position coaches, you're with your, you know, obviously with Coach Brown on the defensive side of the ball, but from a head coaching standpoint with Coach Sat, what was his message through all of it? Obviously, from the media standpoint, we know uh, that Sat talked a lot about how close you guys were and how you guys fought, which I will say, I want I, we've talked about this a lot on the show. You guys are players, you get a lot of slack, uh, you know, a lot of shit on social media. I want to say one thing from that we noticed this season was the fight. It was a completely different team in terms of being just always fighting always you know whatever you got to do even if you all the execution wasn't there you could always tell the fight was there but what was what was sat preaching to you guys during these games where it's it's so tough to try to hold that lead or you you know you need that big play what was that what was the head ball coach's message uh i would say the <laughs> yeah, other, that was his message <laughs> <laughs> i would say the other 10 uh they preached that a lot um, you know, basically that meaning it's not about just you, you know, you're not the only one out there you fighting for the 10 other players that's out there with you as well. And um, he encouraged that in our minds a lot. So, you know, whenever we got down, we, you know, we, we had to fight for each other. So that was one thing he said. And um, another one he said was like, you know, you got to have faith. You got to believe. You got to believe like we got it on our helmets as we speak. So, yes, sir. <laughs> a lot. 
he preached that a lot. So you keep that thing on you. <laughs> yes, sir. I keep it on. How do you go talk to Chuck? Get mine. Do we get to keep helmets? Like, how does this work? Talk, talk me through life as a college football player. You guys got to turn the stuff back in. You get to keep the jerseys. Like, what's the deal? How's that work? So, uh, when you get to be our age, uh, and you're 29, your 30, program, you start hurting. <laughs> All right, let's not get carried away now. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, whenever you're a senior and you're leaving the program, um, you know, the equipment staff, Chuck, um, all them, they like they like to hook you up with all the, uh, I'd say, memorabilia that you've, they've kind of compiled over the years. So they'll they'll give you all your jerseys from – so I got a bunch of jerseys that they handed me. Lenny. Yeah, a lot of jerseys. Uh, and they'll send you home with your helmet uh, and a bunch of other cool stuff. They, they definitely take care of you in that regard. I'm jealous. There's no jerseys from 2016 to now. Yeah, all the combinations. Damn, like all, all the combinations. You guys are gonna look like those uh, old men showing up to the games in full gear with your helmet and your uh, your tight <laughs> jersey on, and I might, I might try to sneak on the field. Get a game. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't work. <laughs> Don't want another shirt. Uh, all right, guys. So speaking on Coach Ivy, so everybody knows him as the crazy guy. Derek, you spoke on him a little bit. TP, you touched on it a little bit. Uh, so what's it like playing for him? What what makes it what makes him so interesting? What what's something the public might not know about him that I mean I'm I know quite a bit about him being in the offices. So from a player's uh, player's perspective, what what's something we might not know? Uh, he's a he's a wonderful coach. I mean, every morning we we're all in a group chat. Every morning he sent us a Bible quote. You know, he's a he's a. Uh, a godly man, if I would say. Oh, uh, I mean, then his enthusiasm, you know, he'll get you pumped up, you know. This his energy he brings to the team and to our D-line is what get us going. Yeah. And honestly, I love to play for him. I run through a wall for him, man. <laughs> Literally. Uh, man, Coach Ivy, I, I can't say enough about him. I mean, he's awesome. He's definitely a guy that you like to play for, like TP said, just because of the energy he brings. And, you know, I think from a D-line's perspective, we've, we've built a really good relationship with him. Um, just from our interaction, you know, we like to mess with him anytime we see him or just uh, give him a hard time sometimes, we, you know, make jokes in film room sometimes. It's just, uh, you know, it, he's just done a really good job of bringing this group together uh, as a coach. But as far as something that the public might not know, um, man, I don't, I don't know what y'all see is pretty much what we see every day. <laughs> so, I mean, he's always bringing the energy, always bringing the juice. Uh, <laughs> that, I mean, that's just, that's just him. That's just how he is. Was there ever a time where he maybe took the energy a little bit too far and we're just <laughs> yeah. like, oh, hey, coach, bro, stop playing. Well, go ahead, TP, go ahead. <laughs> The Notre, the Notre Dame game, um, at Notre Dame, uh, pre before the game, basically, uh, we was all getting dressed up, you know, listening to music and stuff in that nature. And out of nowhere, you know, Coach Ivy and our strength coach Jeff just start wrestling. Oh, that was wild! And then out of nowhere, it just get serious, like real serious. Like Ivy threw him through a table, like it was crazy, man. <laughs> 
like some WWE <laughs> shit going on. No, for real. That's why the like defense the table, so well that game. The oh table God. broke. Like it, it broke down. Like, he really <laughs> put it to the table. They scored he, twelve he, points, he, and it makes so much sense now. Like <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, uh, God. Well, it, well, as you guys can suspect, he plays basketball exactly how you would think he would play basketball. Oh, I'm I mean, already knowing. Uh, doesn't stop. It is physical as hell. And it, you, you know you're coming out with some bruises if you're playing basketball with Ivy. He's the guy you don't want to have to guard. Like, you don't because he's overly – he seems like he's overly physical where it's like, man, it's just pick up. Like, chill out, man. You know, like, you, there's always that guy who's got to be like that. Oh, yeah. You know, the the problem is, is I feel like he doesn't realize just how how strong he is. Ooh, he don't. So like, so he's like he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't realize he's like a German impact. Shepherd is what you're telling me that thinks he's a lap dog. That's that's what Coach Ivy is, German Shepherd that thinks he's a lap dog. Like yeah. like pregame when he's coming through the locker room, high fiving everybody, man. It's like you gotta you gotta try to uh, keep your distance. No, <laughs> for real. You see him before pregame because if he wait. Run away because <laughs> he goes around dapping everybody up, but actually dapping you up, he's hitting you in the chest, on your back, all type of stuff. Just overly aggressive. <laughs> like some, but it's funny to me is like, because uh, when he walks in the locker room, there's some people that will run out of the locker room and try to avoid it. Like who? <laughs> Give me a name. Give me a name right now. <laughs> who, who is notorious for avoiding Coach oh, Ivy? No. I'm one of them. Me. I'm one of them. <laughs> I, I got to go, Coach. I got nah, over here. <laughs> no, but, uh, man, he's, he's just a funny guy, man. He's awesome to play for. You guys have been through two different head coaches uh, during your time here at Louisville. It's uh, not hiding that. Uh, Who's your favorite coach that y'all have been around outside of Coach Ivy? Because I feel like Coach Ivy is your all's favorite uh, favorite coach. So, uh, outside of him, who's your all's favorite to be around? That could be training room, equipment room, myself upstairs when I was with you all. Because, I mean, I, I know I was your all's favorite coach. So, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll let you go first. Well, I got a few. Uh, trainer-wise, Blake. Blake, that's my dog, man. He been there since I've been there, man. Really before I've been there, but that's my dog, man. We always chop it up. Uh, I seen him today earlier, so it was a great time meeting him. Um, ooh, strength staff. I like all the strength staff, man. They all kind of – they nice. They give great energy, uh, great people to be around and to, to motivate you in that nature and stuff like that. Man, it's it's hard to really just say because I mean I've liked all my coaches that I've interacted with over the years. Um, you know, uh, I don't know. That's just a tough question for me. If you had to get a beer uh, with one of the coaches, how about we'll, we'll phrase it a little bit differently? It's not so much football. If you had to get a beer with one of the coaches that you have been uh, under just to just to hang out and chat type of guy. Who is it? Can't be Coach Ivy. Is that is that the rule? I feel like that should be the rule, but I mean, I can respect it. Is he is he a guy who would like shotgun a couple of beers? Like, is it that type of we're getting down partying with Coach Ivy, or is it just we're chilling, having a drink, watching some football? Yeah, uh, he seems like he could shotgun some beers. Damn well, y'all are partying hard as hell, like Coach Ivy. Mm-hmm. I just felt like during the season, you know, he was focused. <laughs> just yeah. put it like that. All right. Okay, here, here's here's a variant for me. Who 
who on the staff not named Gunnar Brewer is quirkier than people realize? Like just kind of off the wall, like kind of a character type type situation. Oh, one of the staff staff named Tommy. Oh dude yeah, this dude is like crazy. Like he comes in early in the morning, yelling. I'm talking about yelling, 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 nonstop. That's all he do is yell. That's it. And he the shortest little thing in there, but with the most energy, jumping around, dancing with us, and all that. Like Tommy's that Tommy's that guy that you're talking. Is, is Tommy the guy yeah. with the mustache? The yeah, curly yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the curls. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know exactly yeah. who that is. Yep. He's oh, gone yeah. viral a few times for that mustache, man. You know, every once in a while they get a good shot of Sat on ESPN, and there's the dude with the handlebar curls, and it's just yeah. like, who's that fella? It's the strength right. people that always have have the mustaches, the hair. I mean, I know you guys aren't going to get to to play or you know lift under Coach Souders, but I mean, you got to respect the mop, man. That's some hair right there on that fellow. Well, actually, hair, well, go ahead. Let me let me hear what you got. Man, we just saw him today. He cut all of his hair off. No, what? no, oh, we, we got breaking news right now. Oh, so, all right, all right. So here's the story that um, we heard behind it. So um, he actually donated his hair. Okay, that's fantastic. Uh, okay, that's and that's the reason why was because one of his players at Georgia, uh, I don't remember the name, but uh, his mom had breast cancer and lost all her hair, so he grew his out and then donated it to her. That is incredible. Okay, well, the, we, the, the guy no, just like got a lot guy. cooler in my book. Yeah, so bad for awesome. yeah. absolutely. <laughs> this, it was my first time because I didn't even. I was like, is that the is that the new strength coach? Because like. I, I, this was my first day time meeting him was today. So, you know, I'm, I'm expecting the long hair, long locks. And I was like, and TP was like, yeah, yeah, that's him. And so we went over and talked to him for a little bit. And so, yeah, he looks completely different now. So maybe he'll grow back out. I don't know. It's a perfect transition. We, we've got our questions, and I told the guys before we started, we're just going to hop around. So I'm just going to jump to this one. This was a great question. Earlier uh, in 2020, Derek, you grew your hair out pretty long. You had the nice long locks. Some might say you look like Jim James for my morning jacket. Um, did you ever get mistaken for Jim James when you were out and about with the long locks? And, and then secondly, Tiberius, I'm going to have you give me, in your six years, the top three uh, guys, the best hair. Okay. And we'll put Derek in there. So you just got to give me two more with great hair <laughs> and I can help you. I can give you some names if you need me to throw some out there, but Derek, <laughs> tell me about the long locks. Why'd you cut it? I mean, it looks great by the way. I, I'll tell you that, but the, the hair was um, like when you're talking about a, a defensive lineman, like there's a couple of elements that, that make a great defensive lineman, a neck pad typically makes a great defensive lineman, a single digit number, maybe the number 29. I, I mean, some might say, uh, but if you got some locks, man, with a belly hanging out, that's when like the serious D line comes out. And I just got to ask, like, was the hair like a was it a, what, like you're trying to scare people? Was it a fashion statement? Just give me a little bit of insight into what what happened there. Man, so uh, I started growing my hair out when I was a junior in high school. Um, you know, I, I really just, you know, just did it for the style. Yeah. Um, it was just something I felt like doing I, I don't really I don't really have a, a reason for wanting to do it in particular um I just thought it would look cool especially under the helmet too um, mission succeed sir mission yeah <laughs> you ever see so, the pictures happen yeah. again you're like damn that looks cool as fuck man like that looks yeah. dope 
yeah, it, it's definitely it's definitely a good little little time. I, I had long hair for a super long time, but really, you know, um, honestly, the only reason I cut it was because I just got tired of having to deal with it all the time. Because I mean, having long hair, it take takes a little work taking care of all of it. So, you know, um, and honestly, after I cut it, it was just I felt like my head felt lighter. I'll say that. Um, <laughs> So that's what you know. led to the sack this season. You 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 attribute the sack this year to the 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 less hair. Is that what it is? Uh, I, I'm gonna attribute the the sack to to the guys that were on the field. Man, they they yeah, set it up for me. That's Great a football team, answer, right TP, there. TP, I know, man. Guy right there. We I, I can't divulge too much information on, on what went down on that play, just for for scheme and. Uh, play calling purposes but man they they did all the heavy lifting up front i just had to do my part and did you have did you have a sack dance i don't remember did you do anything ever or did you just go back to the line oh uh, you man, know they I, say defensive linemen celebrate way too much uh, what do you do tv <laughs> what do you do tv no, come on you, you know something <laughs> it's funny because uh before the game we was talking about it like you know if he get a chance or he get a sack or like what what, what his celebration would be and he kind of hesitated a little bit. I ain't going to lie. But there, you can tell him. Nah, you got it. Go ahead, TV. I really wish you would have just done the gritty. Like, you would have you gone viral for it, man. It would have been great. <laughs> hey, so, I basically, like, basically what, ha- what the plan was, he's supposed to act like he was dribbling between his legs and then, like, shoot up a shot, basically. Uh, fade away. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fade away. Okay. So I like it. I like it. And you didn't do it? You just walked back to the line? No, did I, did did it? It. I, did did it. It. I did it. You did it. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, Tamaris, back to you. Top three uh, heads of hair in your career, Derek being one of them. Who are the other two? Well, definitely Derek. That's the first dude I ever seen with a man bun like that. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. It's, it's funny because everybody I'm about to name is on D line. That's the funny part. Okay. So, of course it is. Yeah. My boy Gigi. Okay. Oh, right of the show. Okay. Girl. girl had the hair. I ain't gonna lie. Girl, girl had the hair for real. And then this year it's Ash. Okay. Yeah. I thought you were gonna say Des Tell because my man's got some tall hair. But oh, yeah. I, like, Des, I thought you say Des, Des for sure. Straight now. Des got the nice little cut, little dreads and all that. He got the good hair too. Yeah, and I, you could throw Evan Conley in the mix there for a little bit. He was rocking the Gardner Minshew, and then you know it's another one disappointed when it's gone. You see, just the regular guy on the sidelines, and not the the long haired mustache. Um, all right, let's move back into football here. Let's, we've we've done enough goofing around. So obviously, fans, casual observers, even some of the media, they have a wide range of opinions, views, thoughts, whether it be good or bad on this. But based on like on just a pure football player's perspective and someone who's been in this scheme, what are some of y'all's thoughts on defensive coordinator, Brian Brown and the progression of the defense, like over the last three years under his leadership? I love coach Brown, man. I mean, the defense he played in, it was new to us. Um, One of the easiest ones I I learned, but uh, I felt like it worked out, you know, as the years went by, uh, our defense improved a lot, you know, especially run stopping and that nature. So I like Coach Brown, man. I think his uh, defensive his defensive scheme was a great scheme. Yeah, and uh, 
Man, I feel like I'm just keep piggybacking off of TP, but um, man, yeah, I, I do, I do like because you know from previous D coordinators, I mean, we've pretty much had every type of defense um, that you can run. I mean, because you know with Grantham, it was very, it was four down, heavy, uh, you know, aggressive blitzing, and then you know Sermon and Van Gorder, more coverage style guys, and um, you know, I feel like. You know, and then Coach Brown brings in this three four, which is it's like it's a three four odd. I mean, that's the defense. So I mean, you got three D linemen on the field. You got an outside linebacker. It's very, uh, you know, it, it's one of those defenses that's very hard to scheme up for an offense because there's there's a lot of moving parts, especially up front. And so you know, from an O line's perspective, because there's a lot of times when you know I, I'll watch film on you know, offensive line for the teams we're playing and see how they respond, you know, and kind of like try to figure out tendencies for them, right? And then when we get into our games, you know, they slow down a little bit because one bad move and you got a guy running free into the backfield. So it's like it, it kind of forces the offensive line to, you know, slow down what they're doing and not, not be so, uh, I want to say, just aggressive off the block. Um, just because there's a lot of moving parts up front, especially. I can't really speak so much as far as secondary because, you know, I'm a defensive guy. Uh, I just try to do my part up front and take care of those guys in the back end. So, but I, I definitely have enjoyed playing in this defense. Um, and it, like I said, it's it's a lot of moving parts. So it's very it's very unpredictable. And I feel like that's, you know, definitely a great advantage you want to have against those guys up front because, in my opinion, you know, some people might have others, but games are won and lost up front. So, guys, so as – yeah. So, as the year went on, did you see any adjustments to the scheme that maybe kind of helped you guys execute a little bit better or maybe help that defense take the next leap? Was, was there anything that kind of stood out to you where you said, okay, we're going to do this a little bit differently or we're going to toss this, this style out the window, insert this, or anything along those lines to kind of help you guys along in your progression as a defensive unit? Um, I would say that, I mean, be, a lot of, you know, what, a lot of what they want to do is maintain a lot of the same rules for us as far as what we're doing. Um, but what they did do was, you know, throw in some wrinkles and some change-ups to kind of, you know, how we were adjusting, how we were, you know, pre-snap movements or, um, you know, fronts we would line up in, like just kind of show them one thing, shift to another. So we they definitely added wrinkles in that would kind of, um, you know, try to give teams looks they haven't really seen before and we're like, you know, not something they'd expect. So um, that's kind of, you know, there weren't there weren't a whole lot of, techniques per se that we throw out I mean there's always minor adjustments that people make um you know going into each week so some weeks we might if there if there's a puller we might box them some weeks we might spill them it, it really just depends on you know what our opponent is trying to do offensively kind of how we um kind of uh, you know as far as play calling and how we cater to that so it Something I'm here. Oh, go ahead, TP. You got uh, Derek said it all right there, man. He definitely did. Uh, one thing I can add to that uh, that I know that helped us as a defense improve was like in the beginning we was rushing three, 
And then as the season went on, we rested four. And, you know, we got a lot more sacks than we did the past two seasons. And I think that, you know, that was a big improvement for our defense. Did you guys have players have conversation with Coach Brown leading up to that moment, like saying, like, hey, we should, we should rush more guys? Or, like, what, what were those conversations like before Coach Brown decided to make kind of go away from the three-man rush and start sending a little bit more pressure? What were those conversations like? Oh, they were great. I mean, every Monday of the new week, uh, you know, he would um, have a group meeting with a few of the um, – people on the on the um on the defense and you know we'll go over you know what what we think uh, will work this way and uh basically he he will hear us out and um you know hear our opinions on you know what we can improve on for the week or what can we do better this week and that nature you mentioned how you you watch a lot of offensive linemen film y'all went against some pretty damn good offensive lines in the acc in your opinion when you watch film looking back at it who who was the nastiest offensive lineman you guys faced all season? Like, just you look, you look at them, you're like, damn, how the hell am I going to get past this dude? Um, TP, the nastiest offensive lineman. Let me think. Cause I mean, there, there were, there's some pretty good linemen. I mean, definitely the guy out of NC state that, that tackle Oh yeah. <laughs> that man, he's uh, He's good because, shoot, he – because the last couple of years, you know, because he's developed a whole lot because whenever he was playing his freshman year, what is he? Is he a junior? Yeah. DP? Yeah, he's a junior. Yeah, so, you know, he, he comes in, you see him freshman year, and then, you know, a couple of years later, he's just uh, completely, you know, he's de- developed. He's done his part for sure. So, um, but, yeah, he's definitely – one of the nastier old linemen because you know deep once you get deeper into the season you know teams that a lot of the ACC teams that play each other you kind of figure out which D linemen you know guys that are making a lot of pressure making a lot of you know disruption in the backfield for other teams you kind of start to watch those guys and you know how are they stacking up against these offensive linemen and you know he's definitely one that gave a lot of people problems so uh, definitely that. Yeah. So shout out to him. <laughs> you guys have played uh, alongside a number of, of really, really good edge rushers. Uh, John Grenard, uh, Trayvon Young, James Hearns, Devonte Fields. Um, I, you know, I could really go on and on. Where would you all rate uh, Yasir Abdullah um, and, and what you all saw on the field this year compared to some of those guys? Because, um, you know, I, I've, as a show here, we've obviously all seen like flashes of Yasir the last two years, but, my, I don't think anybody saw what he did this year coming, at least not to that magnitude. What do y'all, where do you put him in, in that kind of edge rusher category with some of the guys you've played with? My man, Sears, definitely up there with them. Like, yeah, literally, he, Mount, Mount Rushmore, he's up there. Like, the man is fast. Like, when I say fast, like, no false step off the edge, I'm talking about fast, full speed coming at you off the corner, you know. He's just quick off the line, and, um, you know, a lot of O-line can't stop that. So, he's, he's definitely up there. So well. And, you know, just to kind of to touch on what TP said, I mean, Yashir, for his position, he's in a position where he, he's not always the guy coming off the edge either. Like, mm-hmm. I'd say comparing, you know, 
So the guys like Trayvon, guys like Fields, guys like, you know, John Grenard, you know, they had a lot more opportunity, I would say, as far as uh, more of a uh, pass rush oriented role, uh, I guess is the best way to define it. Whereas Yasir, you know, not only is he able to rush the passer the way he is, but he's also dropping coverage, you know, covering people out of the backfield. So, like, I feel like as far as what he's been able to do um, on top of having all of these other other responsibilities, you know, it's just uh, guy's good. The guy's good. <laughs> he's an NFL player, right? Y'all yeah, both agree. Oh, yeah, you, you see him getting drafted, whether it's this year or next year. Oh, oh yeah. of course. I, I, the most dominant edge rusher since – or the most dominant rusher um, of a quarterback since Jonathan Grenard, and I don't even think it's close, right? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Right. You know, I mean, definitely. sometimes I'll be – man, it's so crazy. Like, I'll beat somebody, and I think I'm right there about to get it, and next thing you know, Sears just come out of nowhere and, just, and gets a tackle. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know. But I'm still celebrating with him, but I'm happy he got it, you know. You know, he's young. It's those knees, TP. <laughs> tell me about it. <laughs> he always get back there, though, man. I'll be trying to figure out, like, they just not blocking him? Like, what is it? Yeah, for real, I, hey, I think the same thing sometimes. It's like, wow. Like, I mean, it, it's, it's hard to keep up with a guy that's got that much speed and that much twitch and just, you know, he's just back there so fast. It's just – it's really hard to – to compete with that, honestly. and he has body mass. He's strong as hell. Like, yeah, he's, he's not a he's not a tiny guy. He's, right? Do y'all think is, it's just his first step, or do you think it's his mood, like his hand placement, his dip and rib? What do What do you it, think? I think it's, it's just the whole it, package. I think it's his ability to get off the ball. So his first step, and I mean, he bends like when when we a lot of times when we're talking about edge rush you want to remove blocking surface that's what so basically what we're saying is you know where the o line is throwing their hands and you know those offensive linemen we go against they're big guys i mean you're looking at 65 you know offensive linemen they don't always bend that well so when you got a guy that's just like can change levels on you in an instant and just make you miss with their hands like wow. it it's, it's it's tough to stop it is tough to stop. What do you guys make of uh, some of the young guys you've gotten to play with the last couple of years? Yaya Diaby, Ashton Gelati, Des Tell. What, where do you all think kind of the future uh, – I, I guess I should say, do you all think the future is in good hands there with them on the defensive line? 100%. <clears throat> the future is in great hands. The future them. is in great hands. <laughs> with them being young and still having time to, like, like multiple years to just ball out and improve more. Ooh, I can't wait to see you. I can't wait to see you. Especially, Ashton, you know, yeah. yeah. Ashton is very athletic, you know what I'm saying? He's a young guy, freshman, true freshman at that, who out here just balling, you know, playing his heart out, you know? You know, detail. He's a wonderful uh, nose guard, you know what I'm saying? Very physical, great with his hands, quick too as well. So I can't Our wait to see them. And then, you know, Yaski. Yeah, <laughs> dog, Yaski, man, I can't wait for him to show out this year, man. Definitely going to the league. 100%. Man, because, you know, you just – new strength coach just came from Georgia. You, you know, they just won the national championship. So, he's going to try to instill that, that same culture into, 
you know, what they're going to build in this offseason, man. It, it's honestly, I, I'm with, like, I, I truly think that the D line will be the strength of the defense next year. I mean, the, I just, because you're already looking at a young uh, list of guys, like younger. And all they're going to do is get bigger, faster, stronger, and more experience. And um, they'll be dominant next year. 100%. Okay. I like, see, we like all hot right. takes around here, man. That's, that's the energy we need right here. We always try and get Vince to bring takes. He doesn't bring takes that Vince. You're about to get replaced, man. You gotta be careful. You're on, <laughs> you're on dangerous waters, my friend. Uh, just a, just a little bit more on the defensive line. What's the, the next step for that group? Where's the, where do they kind of go um, from an improvement standpoint next year? Um, so I think, uh, so I, you know, just kind of after the last game, I talked with a few of the guys and, you know, I, as far as improvement, because they, they've already got the foundation set. And I think what I, what I would, you know, want them to do is to, you know, be more of a vocal presence as far as leadership for that defense, you know, don't, you know, be the guys that step up and say, Hey, this isn't right. We got to get it together. Let's get things rolling. You know? you know, be the example for the defense. Um, you know, that's where I hope they, they'll, you know, step up to the plate in that regard. And I think, you know, because like I said, I think they'll be the strength of the defense, man, because they, there's a lot of depth there, a lot of great players. So um, I, it's definitely a role I feel like they could excel in. So one thing I'm kind of curious about, Obviously, you guys in the in the game in the year with that bowl game against Air Force, and they don't exactly have a normal offense. You go up against in the ACC, they run that uh, four point stance tri- uh, triple option offense. What was it like? Not only preparing for that, but just facing it in live reps in the game. What what was that like? I'm sure that had to be just kind of weird to go up against. Man, there's no we was practicing it right after the Kentucky game, literally for like weeks, making sure we get this down. Uh, for one week, we ran literally one play, literally. He called one play for the whole week, and we just processed that play and figured out, you know, who got the quarterback, who got the dive, who got the pitch, and, you know, things in that nature. So we was well prepared for the pitch, the run, and, and that nature. And yeah, what was it like practicing without a ball during – because I know Coach Brown said that a lot of the practice was like doing – getting the dive, quarterback, pitch. Y'all weren't even practicing with a ball. I'm sure that had to be weird. Definitely yeah, I mean, weird. Yeah, it, it, it was weird. Um, but at the same time, you know, he's trying to, uh, to as far as assignment and discipline within that scheme, you know, it trains you to, you know, do your job, you know, let, let everybody else don't, don't try to just, you know, I, I thought it was definitely very helpful in understanding what we needed to be doing as far as scheming up that offense in, in the run game. So what went through your all's head the first time uh quarterback chucked that 40 yard pass to the tight end running down the sideline Were you like, Oh shit, they're going to throw the football. We weren't prepared for that. Or was it more like, okay, all right, we see it's not just going to be running the ball. Let's go. Um, I will say it was, uh, it, it, you know, I'm not surprised they throw the ball. I mean, obviously they got to throw the ball a little bit, but um, <laughs> I, I mean, shoot, they're, they've, they, their average passes per game was uh, very low, uh, you know, 
kind of going into the game. So you're, you're definitely – it's not a game where you're expecting a whole lot of passes. But, uh, I mean, I don't know. I, you know, I just kind of – TP, do you have any comments? <laughs> yeah, we just did the best we could. Like, I mean, yeah, you know they're not going to run all the time. So we knew, like, they was going to pass here and there. And, um, you know, when we saw pass, we just did as much as we could to convert the pass rush. You know, run game. We've been practicing games uh, when we see the line, you know, set back or whatever. So, yeah. talking on that, TP, how so talk, talk me through it. You guys look at the hands a lot and how heavy the offensive linemen are going to be on their hands to protect, uh, possibly predict a run or a pass. With guys on Air Force, I, I assume they were pretty heavy on that front hand and sometimes even in a four point stance. How do you right, think right. pass in that situation? I mean, for me, so I that, just feel like, damn, that's a run. Right, right, time. right. So, honestly, you, you couldn't really tell because, like you said, they, they had the same stance. So, our key was basically the play run. But as we see them setting back, you know, lifting their shoulders up like that, that's when we knew it was passed. And, you know, when we seen that, all we could do was convert, convert the pass rush. So, that was the tool we used for that game. And plus, for all intents and purposes, the the run defense in that game was, was pretty good. It was just the fact that they decided to air the ball out. I know hindsight is twenty twenty, but looking back at it, do you think there was anything not just for for you for your unit? Because obviously the def, the front seven did, did fared pretty well, but as a defense, what do you think you guys would have done differently looking back at it? Uh, I feel like we we could have just focused more focus better more like in practice and that nature and uh, I feel like I could have spoke up on a couple of things that was going on in practice or whatnot or whatnot you know um, you know nobody should be able to catch the ball so and nobody should be able to run the ball so that's what I preached during the practice but I, I feel like I should have spoke a little more voiced my opinion a little more than I did Derek, you're you're a local kid. Uh, haven't played at Manual, obviously. We've been over that. Uh, do you think uh, Sat has done a good job of being able to recruit kids locally in the city and uh, just kind of around the state? Um. So personally, I'm not always uh, caught up to speed on a lot of the recruiting efforts. Uh, I'd say, but I, I think he does a decent job of uh, recruiting the state. I mean, we got. Um, Male guy coming in, man. I don't know about him. <laughs> Male high school. Nah, I'm just kidding. But I got a, I got the opportunity to sit down with him and, uh, you know, got to get to know him a little bit. So, but, uh, you know, I think he does a pretty good job. Um, I mean, like I said, I'm not always uh, as – tuned in to what they're doing as far as recruiting uh, more so as I am just kind of focusing on the team. Yeah. T uh, so TP for you being from Georgia is Louisville. Now your home. Is this where you're going to live, have a family, all that. Are we going to get to go play golf and stuff together and do all, do all that fun stuff that retired athletes do now, or are you going to uh, move back to Georgia? Man. So the goal, I honestly, I don't mind staying in Louisville. It's, it's a nice little city. Um, it's kind of reminds me of, of Georgia a little bit. Um, you know, the food is, is good here. It's okay. I ain't going to say it's 
like Georgia, but it's okay. It's good. Yeah, it's, they it's got a Mount Fuji different. in Georgia? Hold on now. They got a Mount Fuji in Georgia? Because I know you can't get that yum yum sauce everywhere now. Come on now. We got those places down there in Georgia. Okay. So. All right. All right. Where's your favorite, favorite place to eat? Hibachi. Where's your Ooh. favorite place to eat in Louisville then? Ooh, I like Sapporo. I ain't gonna lie. I love Sapporo. Right. I love hey, Derek, what about you? You're, yeah, you're man, the are you the guy. you the tour guide when they when they come into town? They asking you for the food recommendations, or what are you telling them? You know, it's funny you say that because people ask me all the time. Oh yeah, hey, where should we go to eat? Where should we go to eat? And I'm, you know, I'm sitting there listening to that, and I'm just like, you know, I really don't know what to tell you because I've lived <laughs> here my whole life. So what's normal to me and what I think is normal might be something like they've never tried before. So. um you know, it's difficult for me to help guys out because it's like I don't know what to tell you. Because all right, here's a so here's a better here's a better question. Who's 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 got the best wings in the city? Oh, that's a good question. Best wings, Eddie Riches. Uh, back door. Oh, hey. Oh, back. Oh, don't hey. sleep on the back door. Hey, hey you I'm order that lit too. Shout out Drew Zilla, Backstreet Wings, Derby City Wings, Backstreet Derby oh, City Wings. Oh, yeah. Drew, Drew Bailey. Drew Bailey, man. Drew Bailey. Drew Bailey. Y'all don't know. You better find out. Tell me. All right. And, and, and last question on this subject ranch or blue cheese? Ranch. Ranch. My man, my man, my man. Okay, right now, okay, yeah, good, good, okay. good. Yeah, good ranch. Bone in or boneless? That's hard. Preferably, I like the bone in, but I mean, boneless. You know, if I don't feel like getting my hands dirty, I, I go boneless. But I like, <laughs> I like traditional. It's certain spots you gotta go to get the boneless, and then certain spots you go to get the bone in. That's, so that's, that's I kind of like both. I definitely like both. So. The last couple of weeks, just randomly, we have been talking a lot about goal line formations and just different unique things that Louisville could do on the offensive line to punch the ball in. Tiberius, I find it pretty interesting. You got one carry for 31 yards in your career. I, I, I've tried to remember today. Was that a, was that a fake punt that you yes, got sir. that off? Okay, I was going to say, because I told these guys a couple weeks ago that you scored on the goal line, but I knew I knew at one point you got the ball in your hands. Uh, did y'all ever go to the coaches and be like, I want to, I want to play. I will put me in a fullback coach. I'll block, I'll get the ball. I'll try to run a, you know, corner route, throw me out there on offensive. Let me try. So every time I would joke around, cause you, you know, I really have one of the best hands on the defense. And I would say, I think I do the coaches, coaches do too. They know. So, uh, coach hope. I, I would always see him and Coach Mass and be like, "Hey, man, you know, I, you could be, I could be at tight end, you know, you ever need me? <laughs> be that guy. <laughs> I can be that guy for you. You need, you need a catch. You need a first down. I'm here. You know, I'm here. I always told him that, and they Tell would laugh, me. you know, joke around and stuff like that. Take me back to the the fake punt. Like, were you like, just like, you know, I would imagine you're in your head thinking like, holy shit, I'm about to get the ball for the first time on offense or, you know, on special teams would take me back. If you remember getting that. And then I remember you moved, dude, you, you got down the field a little yeah. bit. So <laughs> honestly, we did it. We did a fake punt uh, the year before that. And I had to get like eight yards or whatever, but I ended up getting like nine yards. And that was the first fake punt I asked, I ever did. And actually, uh, it was kind of great. Like, it was fun doing it. I just needed some block. 
My man Gigi didn't block how I thought he would. <laughs> he was watching me, honestly. He was watching me run the ball. Yeah. I know you're the lead blocker. You watching me run the ball. He but was no, watching uh, you saying, damn, this cat can run. <laughs> you feel me? So the pit game, though, um, I don't know, because we've been practicing. We practice every week, and we we um on punt, we we'll go through the the call or whatnot. So it was always in my mind, you know, any moment it could pop up. And just when that when that time came, it, it, it popped up. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. It's that time. And then so we, I've been practicing all week, so I knew it was going to be open. <laughs> Literally, I got the ball, and I seen that, that green grass and ran as hard as I could. My, my favorite part about that play, TP, is the fact that that's like always the picture that media that the media uses of you is always right. the one you have one carry in your career or two carries, I guess. Two carries. And that's the picture they go with. You played D line your entire career. I, I always found that one that to be just comedy for no reason. Man, he could have took yeah. one to the house if he just, just should have heard a bunch. Should have heard of him. He came in low. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie, I was moving so fast. I didn't even see him come up. Like he was fast, ain't gonna lie. You guys could take one of your defensive linemen, brethren, and put them in at fullback, tight end. Who are you putting out there? I might Maybe? have to say either Yaya or Ashton. Actually, yeah. Dawson, that's a good one. I'm gonna say Ashton, man. That guy is that 405 power clean. <laughs> oh, yeah, Ashton definitely is a freak. I might have definitely. to go with Ashton. He, he just, he just, I just feel like he'd be the bull that would just. Not afraid to put a face mask on somebody. <laughs> All right. We've got a couple more questions before we wrap up here. We've been going for a while now. Uh, if you're just uh, kind of fast forward and jumping around, we've got Tiberius Peterson, Derek Dorsey here, two super seniors just wrapped up their career at Louisville. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to keep going kind of all over the place here. One of the things we do when we ask guys that come on the show, uh, we ask for their best Lamar Jackson story. I don't, I don't, I didn't have that on the sheet tonight, but um and, and we might have to circle back and finish the show with this. If you guys have, have a little I need a little bit of time to think on it, but we've heard stories of, you know, torn ACLs in practice. We've heard stories of Lamar begging to be that, you know, the defensive guys begging for Lamar to be live with no Jersey. We've heard Vince tell the story of Lamar calling shotgun as an NFL MVP in his car. We, I mean, we've heard so many different stories of just Lamar Jackson and being Lamar Jackson, but I, I'm curious what you guys think just from your, your time being around them. <laughs> Uh, honestly, I'll say the memory I had with him, uh, was always in practice. Like that first year I was on scout team, uh, cause I redshirted and, you know, I would always try my best to, you know, beat the old line and do what I can to, you know, make it seem like I sapped him or whatever. You know, he never really ran full speed in practice or nothing like that. So we never really seen it. But I would always tag him off or whatever. I'm like, yeah, I got you. I got you. He'll just laugh and stuff like that because he know in the game. It's a whole different story in the game. You know, it's kind of funny is that, like, because, you know, when he was here at Louisville, he unless it was a designed quarterback run, he didn't really do a whole lot of – and like TP said, he didn't really run full speed. So a lot of what we would see on game days, like – I mean, he, he, he's not like he was, he's, he's just natural talent. I mean, because that's not something he just practiced in the at practice. You know, he's focused on making those passes down the field. But uh, I, I think, you know, this is this is a recent Lamar Jackson story, man. He came to visit uh, 
visit for the game when he got his number retired. Um, man, this one hurt. I can't even lie. But it, it was funny. So uh, Lamar just kind of, he said, he said, dang, Double D, you still here? Like, just, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. I, you know, I, I've had a lot of people make jokes about, you know, me being the old guy on the team. It's always been like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But that one from Lamar, it kind of, kind of, kind of burned a little bit, but it's all good. That's my boy. That is incredible, man. See, that's exactly why we ask. Because it's like every time there's always just a new layer. It's always it's something just, new. It's always something new. Incredible. And, and, and speaking about memories, obviously, y'all played six years, three three years each for two staffs, uh, three under Petrino, three under Satterfield. For each staff, what is your – what is the memory that stands out the most? It could be either good or bad. I mean, I feel like this is a very basic, generic uh, – because obviously that 2016 – Florida State game, I mean, that was just an unbelievable experience all around. Uh, I mean, I I can't even begin to describe what that feeling is like when you're on the field. I mean, you're watching a guy that's setting unbelievable records, you know. And at the time, FSU was still one of those top programs in – in college football, I'm pretty – what were they ranked? They were number two, right? They were number two, yeah. Number two. Yeah, and then we come in and – Man, it was just unbelievable, wild experience, man. That was definitely—I definitely say that was my favorite time because, and Vince, Vince will argue with me on this, man, because I always said there was a little bit of an overcast, you know, cloudy sky. <laughs> he claims it was sunny that day, which I thought I it was hot. It was Matt. Was it hot? Was it hot that day, or was it raining? No, it, and it, it was. It was kind of overcast. I don't think it was raining. It wasn't, it wasn't raining, raining but it, it wasn't, wasn't raining. Sunny. It wasn't raining, but I remember yeah. it being hot because we had those white. Y'all had the white uh, jumpsuits, and everybody was complaining about Ooh. how hot the white jumpsuits were. Yeah, we, hang up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, right. see, right. Derek. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Hey, the but, white jumpsuits was hard though. They was all I know good. is when we're out there when that game was going on, it was cloudy. I saw a guy break his ankle jumping over the wall that day. It was the wildest oh. thing I've ever oh, seen. Man. Complete <laughs> ankle break. Foot sideways, had to go get a trainer, and all it was, it was wild. Oh my god! But uh, yeah, it, it was, it was, it was wild, Derek. So, my question is for you it's a little personal for the both of us, to be honest with you. And I'm slightly uncomfortable asking, and uh, you might not even be comfortable answering. But uh, we both lost a friend this year to uh, to suicide. Uh, Chase, what did what did this season mean for you playing for him? Because I noticed that you had his initials and his number on your towel all year. Uh, what did this season mean for you whenever you're playing for him? Man, uh, yeah, man, that's, uh, you know, definitely had a very big impact on my life. Um, and it was definitely one of the driving factors as far as what motivated me to want to you know, continue playing because, you know, there are a bunch of different elements that played into, you know, am I going to continue to play this six year out? And, you know, that was definitely one of those factors because, you know, me and him in high school, you know, we, we were best friends and uh, it was always like, you know, go to D1, go play college ball. It was always kind of something that we always wanted to do, just kind of grow up in high school. And I just felt like, you know, just uh, just just kind of give it my all, and just you know just do it for him. You know, 
whatever happens once the season ends is, you know, it is what it is. But I figured I owed it to him to not give up on that just quite yet. And uh, tomorrow will actually be the one year anniversary. That, that's that's wild. I, I always notice you playing with that towel on and uh, uh, it almost would bring me to tears at some moments during uh, during games, just thinking about all the memories that we all had together. So. Yeah, I appreciate you answering that. That's a lot of respect for that answer. Yeah, Absolutely. no doubt. So, you know, um, it, 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 somebody who's been personally impacted by suicide, I lost my best friend in college to suicide, man. I, I got a lot of respect for you going out and playing and doing that for him. So um, can't thank you guys enough for, for joining, joining the show tonight. Um, I want to leave off on, on one more question uh, for you guys, and, and I'll open up the floor for you. I want to take you all back to senior day just a few weeks ago. Um, for both of you guys, six years played for, like, uh, like Matt said, two different staffs. You guys have seen everything there is to see in college football, just about from, you know, potentially competing for a national championship to, um, the, the season in 2018 to a new staff and, and really just kind of getting this, this program back in the place that it was, but what was going through each of your all's heads that day as you took the field in Cardinal stadium for the last time? Mm. Emotional? I excited. Very emotional. But excited as well in my mind. Uh, I was just happy to be out there, and you know, glad that I came back to play again with my brothers on that field. So yeah, I'd say. So one of the things that you know a lot of players have is kind of like their uh, their pregame rituals, right? The, mm-hmm. the things that they always. The things that you got to do before the game to to get you right, whatever, whatever it is. And one of my things that I always did was uh, I'd always uh, go out onto the sideline. I'd sit down on the the uh, the little bench that we have out there, like where our D line sits, and I'll just kind of sit back, listen to music, and just kind of take everything in and. You know, it's it just it was just uh, it was a different different feeling. You know, it's like, you know, this is the last time I'm going to play here, man. It's like, you know, I've been doing this for six years. It's, it was just a very bittersweet moment, you know, and that was kind of where it all started. And then, you know, we're walking off the field and it's just like, like, wow, you know, yeah. it, it really hits you because, you know, it's kind of one of those things. It's like, you know, you don't really realize, uh, you know, you don't realize what you got until it, it's kind of passing you by. And it's just like, man, uh, it's just, it was just crazy. And it's been a hell of a journey. I, I bet that was pretty cool for the both of you all to kind of sit back before the game and just take, just take in that moment of being, that being your last time as a player in there. I mean, I know I'm, uh, both of us, all three of us being in the same class, I'm very appreciative of you, of you all as teammates and sticking it out for this long whenever. You know, we I was a walk-on. I had nowhere to go. Y'all, y'all had different scholarships and stuff. Y'all could have bounced in between that 2018, 2019 years. So, I mean, kudos to you all for taking, mm-hmm. as as Mike likes to say, take the stairs. Well, can't thank you guys enough for joining the show again tonight and talking through um, what I, I know was a fun season, but one obviously that didn't go the way that you guys probably hoped so. But uh, best of luck for you in, in your endeavors and what's next in your career. We'll be following along. Um, can't thank you again enough for being Cardinals. You guys have represented the brand very well. This has been an episode from episode one of the 2021 season in review from the Pink Seats podcast. I'm Jacob Lane.
Vincent Lococo and Matt McGavick, Derek Dorsey, and Tiberius Peterson. We hope you guys will catch us next week. Superlatives, baby, we'll be handing out awards from the year. The Freakies, we're bringing the Freakies back next week. Superlatives, we hope you guys will tune in.